the competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet now your host nick nanavati Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. I am super excited because this is our very first episode post the balanced data slate in this new world we have here. And who better to have on in this episode than Mr. Ridvin Martinez, Archon Scar himself. How are you doing, Scar? Hello. Hello, everybody. Yay, thanks for having me. Uh, nice to be on once again talking about my beloved Dark Eldar. Yes, at this time where everyone's army for the most part is changing, your army probably has changed the most. And what a glow up. My God, Jukari were very, you know, I don't want to talk shit about your army, Skari, but they were not the most exciting faction in 10th edition. And uh, now they might just be. What an army now. I agree. You know, I feel like from all of the changes that happened in the data slate, Drakari are probably the ones that gained the most. Well, them and I guess Ekrons, because they didn't get changed at all. (laughs) (laughs) Relative uh, to everybody else, right? Correct. Um, yeah, that's super exciting. And that's really what we're going to talk about in part one. We're going to break down the new Jukari rules. We're going to break down how they interact with the meta and other kind of broad changes, kind of mapping out the meta as a whole and where the Jukari tool set will allow them to position themselves and what that looks like in this new world of 40K. Skari is one of the world's most foremost Jukari experts and uh, who better to have the conversation with. Then in part two, we're going to get nitty gritty. We're going to get into that good stuff because, you know, we love you here. So if you're a subscriber on our Patreon, AOW40K.com, you can access it. In that episode, Jukari, Skari, and I are going to break down his army list over here, uh, what he's going to play in this new world, and how it works, how he really envisions it all coming together, the combos, the tactics, the strategy, all for you in part two. Are you excited, Skari? I'm very excited. And something I love is I love surprising you because every time I talk about something and you're like, oh, I didn't see it that way. I'm like, yes, that's exactly right. You're like, it's nice to get a window into your crazy soul. And I'm like, you're very welcome. I'm super excited. Every time I talk to you, I look at your Drukari list and they're so unassuming. And I'm like, Drukari, you're just a fast army that like shoot and punch, I guess. So I, I don't, you know, I don't see the combos like you do. And then you come in here and you bust down those combos and I'm so super excited for it. So what do you think of the balanced data slate? We'll start there, like as the whole thing, top to bottom. Uh, well, it's been what three months since the last sort of like update. You know, they've they've decided to make updates every quarter, so it's nice to see them sort of sticking to it. Yeah, um, I think it's consistent now. You know, I correct. kind of expect it. It's delivered. Yeah. We can be happy with that. Yes. Not only is that the case, but they've sort of shown in the last couple that it could be points, rules, um, FAQs. They're willing yeah. to change like whatever sort of needs to be changed and they're not sort of shying away from that. So as a sort of like a fringe faction or a faction that was like every meta list had us like at the bottom of the list as a Dark Eldar player, you know, it can be a little disheartening for folks to kind of see your faction at the bottom. Even though... Like a lot of like it was really a low representation. Like that that data I don't feel really showcased the strength of the faction because of the fact that there was only like 0.5% of the meta or something really low right. in terms of numbers playing Dark Eldar for the last, you know, since like the almost the beginning of the of the edition. 
And, and that's kind we, of it, the meta as a whole. Like a lot of the players that you see in tournaments will follow what the top players are playing. The top players aren't rating Jukari as a top faction, so they're not going to typically play it. And then, you know, people have their pet armies and the armies they always play, and that is some people. Uh, but most people do not have that kind of affinity with Jukari for whatever reason. It's not like Tao. Tao is whatever, for whatever reason, super popular. So yeah, exactly. Just keep playing. Right. And it's funny because you can see that effect. You know, when I went to a, a GT in, I think, November or something, and I won this GT, um, and worldwide, the win rate jumped up like seven percentile points with my win. It went from 40, you know, 3% win rate to like 51% win rate just because I had been at a tournament and won a single GT, right? Like, that's how big of an impact like having a low like rate is. But in terms of the data slate, you've had like a lot of the big baddies against Dark Eldar have kind of gotten a little toned down. Like some of the matchups are a little easier, a little worse. They've changed. They gave us a whole new detachment, which I think is fantastic. And it hearkens or it calls to a lot of those fans or folks that play the faction that loved the faction or learned how to play the faction in ninth edition. Because the new detachment is essentially ninth edition Dark Eldar, like Drukari, with like more combat units, more tradey, being able to like jump out and have units that can go in and reliably kill stuff. And I think they're good changes, and I'm looking forward to sort of breaking them down with you. I'm super excited for that. What do you think about the overall meta? Like Eldar getting hit, CSM getting hit, maybe Necrons not getting hit, obviously. Um, did you think the game is in a good spot now? I think the game was in a good spot, even with some of the factions being fringe. Honestly, they've done a great job at sort of balancing the faction. Some of the factions feel like they've been left to the wayside. You know, things like Imperial Knights, you started not really seeing very much. Um, you know, you, you started seeing like Custodes players. You know, they kind of like were at the bottom of the food chain as well, sort of thing. And the meta in and of itself, even, even with those changes, like... I could go to any tournament or look at any sort of list, and I felt like every army had a chance at winning, even if it might have been a little tough. And is I think that even that into is... the top of the factions, like you're saying that as Jukari player paired into like Craft Worlds or Chaos Space Marines. Well, look, practice is a great thing. When you practice a lot of games, yes, I can win into any faction: Necrons, Votan, Chaos Space Marines, especially. Um, and that's because I have done it and I've played into it. So I, I know that to be true. But what it what it means is, like, because the missions are so dynamic, because of the, like, the better use of terrain, you know, with, like, the GW layouts and things like that, I do feel like a lot of armies have a tool to win any game. And that's just, I'm hardwired that way in a way. But at the same time, I'm also a chronic optimist, which does mean that I tend to, like, run into the fire in spite of the flames or whatever, and then come out the other side and be like, oh, I won that. And everybody's like, you shouldn't have been able to win that. And I'm like, well, I never felt that way. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely like an <laughs> internet wisdom about it, right? Where it's everyone's like, there's, there's no way Scar can win this match. This matchup's unwinnable. And you're just like, no one told me that. And then you know, <laughs> here it is. Uh, yeah. I want you to do that to a lot of people. It's, it's rather impressive, truly. So where do you think your Jukari start with all this i mean you have so many changes what are your what are the changes kind of like highlighted basically well there are two there was two full changes for the drukari specifically number one um we had the change to pain tokens so pain tokens are a way that you can empower your units if you haven't played into dark eldar very often um, you're probably going to see them more often now 
So when you empower a unit, you take a pain token and put it on them for the for a phase, essentially. And in the shooting of five phase, they just get reroll hit rolls. It's a very strong game mechanic. And they made it better by adding an additional pip of AP if you empower a unit in close combat. That is quite quite good, actually, because it makes all your all the close combat attacks that we have and only AP2, they go to AP3. So like three up saves would be saving on fives going to six ups. Like it more than doubles the damage output into a lot of these things that we might have been struggling to kill in close combat earlier, which is very, very impactful. AP3 um, is also some breakpoints, right? Like a turn leader with yeah. armor of contempt gets a one up save functionally. So once you're AP3, you bring it back to its invul. Yes. And so it is like that function out, like that is a, that's probably one of the most impactful changes for Drakari. Just hands down that change for close combat. And the second one being, you can attach an Archon to an Incubi, which I don't know why it wasn't a thing at the beginning of the edition, because there's Incubi a lot of questions for what the started Drakari was. Yeah, quite literally, Incubi are Archon bodyguards, and not being able to join an Archon to Incubi, it's like, it didn't make any sense. But now they've rem remedied that, which makes Incubi a viable choice to be able to kill things, and a more of a trading piece, similar to, because you can, you know, with an Archon, the the unit gets reroll wound rolls, and with a pain token, they get reroll hit rolls and an extra pip of AP. And all of a sudden, you have a little unit that's not too expensive that hits really hard. And I think that's going to change that ability of Drukari to go in behind a building and like clear out something that's hiding behind a wall. I think that's going to be very impactful in how we play the missions in the game. So you're thinking like little five-man packs of Incubi plus an Archon, just charging people. Very similar to like how Chosen operated with a chaos lord correct and you do that three times it's basically you're playing chaos chosen with a lord but like dark eldar style and you That's can just cool i like that yeah it's it feels great because you're like oh this little unit's hiding in a tiny little transport or you could do a larger unit in like a raider which i think is overkill but we'll get to that when we go over my list <laughs> yeah absolutely. but um yeah um and then on the flip side they also gave us a brand new detachment and That's the one that I think uh, was on the top of my mind um, in terms of changes. I'm glad you you started off by highlighting things that are always so subtle I don't even notice. Well, the thing is, like, when you look at the list that I had developed for, um, like, ninth edition, like, I've been, I've been spent uh, six months I've developed this army list with six Talos and 30 Cablites and three Venoms and Uri and Rakarth. And that list, right? Point changes aside, like we got a lot of point decreases, I gained like 90 points in that list. But even if I wanted to just take that list, add another 90 points, and just use the pain token change for the AP, I know that that list would do well, and it would do much better than it has. Because now my Talos get to AP3 in combat, which is a big deal, right? right? Um, however... The new detachment gives you a whole other style of gameplay, which I think resonates, and this is what I was talking about with folks that got into Drukari in 9th edition, resonates with, so like a newer, um, like influx of Archons that want to play Drukari, and that's lots of boats and lots of things in boats, right? And you you miss out on a couple of the key strategies that we might have gotten used to, like the minus one to wound strat for coven units, the minus one to hit strat for lightning fast reflexes, and the the like strike and fade, you know, the move again after the shooting phase, which has won me many games. And in per in and in return, you get like 
the ability to really leverage some of the other issues that uh, playing lots of Drukhari was something that I noticed. Number one, you disembark from a transport. A unit that disembarks gains ignore cover on their ranged weapons. And you know how we were talking about an extra pip of AP? All of a sudden, having a Dark Lance being AP3 ignore cover from like a little unit of Cavalite Warriors is meaningful. That like Rhino that got a five up save now gets a six up save. That Land Raider that Armor contempted in cover, right? Instead of getting a three up save, gets a four up save. Right. Ignores cover it, is a fantastic rule. Like, you know, that's just it awesome. is a great rule. So even like that small change alone just makes everything in the army just do a little bit more damage more efficiently and it will add up over the course of five turns right and then done yet i'm not even done yet the second part of that being that we get the lance rule to all our close combat weapons on a turn we disembark from a transport and this is another sort of like thing that we needed that like witches incubi the fact that they had lowered their strength lowered their ap you know didn't let them really kill anything in close combat like they would just they, like, five Incubi couldn't even kill five Space Marines a lot of the time, because now they were AP2 and Strength 4 and hitting on threes. Now you get plus one to wound and an extra AP, and you can put an Archon in there for reroll hits and wounds. All of a sudden, that little Incubi unit will most definitely kill five Space Marines, potentially ten Space Marines now in, right. like, a break. Right. And it actually that feels is like Jukari, right? Like, you're supposed correct. to be this fragile, glass cannon type of army, and it's like, what if you were just glass? Right. And then you actually just now you hit a lot harder. So things like 10 witches with Lilith now getting, you know, an extra AP. So they're all AP three. They get plus one to wound with their strength three. So unless they're going against like a vehicle, they're wounding most things on fours now, right? Like it's it's a humongous amount of damage improvement, which means you can clear enemy pieces, right? And then you can play that traditional trade game, right? Because, well, hey, I have a challenge, play. right? Like you couldn't kill right. anything be on a certain threshold with your Jukari and like you were just figuring out ways to, but basically certain things you just had to play around it to a degree and no one to yeah. choose your battles. Now you can actually just kill people. Yeah, you can bully. Like now, now you have the ability to bully that mid-board. It's one of the reasons I had pivoted to Talos like in testing is because I just needed something that just wouldn't fold over like a wet paper noodle in the middle of the table and could, in theory, fight in close combat. They weren't the best at fighting, but at least they didn't do what Incubi did, which was nothing, right? <laughs> but that has now sort of changed. It's flipped on its head. And it also means that you don't have to play Codex Darklance, right? Or Index Darklance, which means that you're less beholden to, like, the terrain, right? Because, you know, especially testing Dark Eldar for, like, WTC, you know, there was a reason I took Necrons to WTC is because the Dark Eldar had good options, but on like a thick board that had lots of ruins, it wasn't easy to get line of sight on anything. That's really and it interesting because you would assume Jukari are the type of army that are fragile, right? They want a board with lots of ruins so they can hide and not just get killed. Yes, like normally that's the case. But like when you're bringing 30 Dark Lances, like if you can't see the Rhino, you're just not going to shoot, right? right. And right. and you in WDC, you're, you're a veteran of many World Team Championships. You know how cagey people are. Like they're not going to let you shoot them you know, <laughs> if they don't that's want true. you. There's to. no free Rhinos. <laughs> uh, this, you're not going to get it for free. You're going to have to work for that. Now at least you can have sort of like a mixed force where you have elements like Ravagers or Scourge sort of like being in a position to move out and 
and hit firing lanes. But then if they do hide, you have those units that can really move up quickly and then flush them out from behind that wall. And in a trade game, which is what Dark Eldar like to do, it's like I send a 120-point unit to kill a 200-point unit. Great. I'm in, like, the winning part of that trade now, right? And then you just try and do that multiple times over the course of the game, and you end up winning because you have more stuff than they do. Right. And just, like, throughout the course of the game, now that you're killing them at, like, paces that they have to respect, like, your your speed is still fast, and now your yep. pain is good, and you're charging through walls, and now it's a whole different dynamic to the match. Yeah, very different dynamic. Like, it's still... And that's the thing. The changes are very good, but it still is not sort of like as point and click as it was in, say, ninth edition. So you can't just move, because especially with like the way ruins work and things like that. Like you're not, it's not easy to just move your vehicles around as it was before with fly change, right? You can't just like fly over a building and be exactly where you need to be, right? Um, now, though, the addition of things like uh, an assault ramp strategy for your vehicles where you can move a vehicle 14 inches, disembark, right? Or move the vehicle, get out and charge a unit after it. Just increase that threat range of those trade pieces, which means you can still play that cagey keep away game, but then really kind of fly into where the action is quickly and effectively uh, with a couple of command points. And so one thing, Scary, with your KG keep away game plan here is your raiders are pretty big. And like your your profiles are hard to hide on certain tables and layouts. So how do you actually play KG with transport heavy armies? I play Venoms. I don't like Raiders. <laughs> oh, really? Just for the size profile? Yeah, just because I can hide a, a Venom and I can't hide a Raider. Yeah, it's one of the other reasons I stopped taking Ravagers. They're just too hard to hide in a lot of tables. But a Venom, you can just tuck a Venom in, even on a WTC table on the small ruins. You just tuck that Venom right in that little corner. Can't see that Venom. Right. And it just makes it a lot easier to, to and you at that point you're leveraging, you know, we'll go that's more tactic stuff that we'll talk about in, in the second part of the video. But like a Cabalai Warrior Squad in the new detachment with all the guns, which by the way, we've colloquially called scarry boats. Okay. A venom filled with guns is a scarry boat. Um but you jump out of the venom, shoot all your guns that now ignore cover, and then in the end of the five phase, you just jump back into the venom that's behind the wall. And all of a sudden, you've got like three or four units that are jumping in and out of boats, firing and fading for free, which is great. Scourge the fire and fade for free. So even though you have all these units, you're not like committing anything to the board. Oh, that's so pretty horrific. I... Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you don't need to commit anything. And then it forces them to commit. And then as they commit, then you throw in Incubi and murder them as they advance, right? So, that's, so it's a good like one-two punch, which I think works very well. And Raiders don't really fit that style because it is hard to hide them. If you do a raider, you might do one and then maybe rapid ingress it, right? To make sure that you can make sure that it's hidden. And then you can fly out, get out with all your witches or your big unit of incubi or something. But at that point, it's a, it's a larger point investment and it is harder to hide, which is one of the reasons I don't, uh, I tend to move away from raiders. Wow. So th this is a whole different take on Drukari. Most people I'm seeing with the new rules are taking like that 10-man Incubi squad we talked about uh, with the Archon, of course, joined in a 10-man Raider or ten, 10 dudes in a Raider. And then they use the stratagem to get out after the Raider advances or moves and then they get out and then they charge people. But I'm putting the cart before the horse here. It's just so interesting to hear that you're like, screw all of that. That's overkill. Just take your Scari boats and your Incubi Archons and just charge people. 
Yeah, like kill, like shoot them as they move forward. Like take advantage of your detachment rules, right? Like oh, you're, beautiful. you know, there's some really good stratagems in there where, you know, with a with a well placed pain token for re rolls and a stratagem that allows your cavalite wars to get sustained too. Like all of a sudden, a six to hit on a dark lance nets you, you know. Three dark lances, which is so silly with ignore cover. It's like a whole other scourge unit in like a little like cavalite squad that then jumps back into their boat like they were never there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insane actually when you put it all like that. So let's talk about the rest of this detachment. Actually, before we talk about the rest of this detachment, what did the other detachment actually give you? The one that people dreaded from the old times. So the other detachment gave you more pain tokens. Um, the stratagems are in, like, they're okay, but you only really used two, maybe three stratagems from that one. And all they did was, if you took characters from different parts of the Drukari culture, so like a, a, an Archon, a Succubus, and a Hemonculus, for each one you took, you got plus one pain token. So you could start the game with six pain tokens if you wanted to. Which, which was is, like, fine. nice, but not awesome. It's okay. Now, though, with paint tokens even an extra pip of AP, I'm like, I wish I had more paint tokens. So I think, sure. like, when we get into the new detachment, we'll talk about paint token management and, like, in the second part, because it's going to be a big part of playing Drukari, is making sure you have enough paint tokens to do the damage you need to do in your go turn, right? Um, or, like, if you need to overwhelm your opponent. But that was it. Like, there was an enhancement to give you more pain tokens, which I wish we had in the new detachment. So, like, the new detachment still has fire and fade and all that other Drukari stuff? No, it does not. The new detachment, so you lose the fire and that you lose the strike and fade. So, you don't have the move after shooting, right? You lose the minus one to wound if you're taking Talos or Grotesques or whatever. And you lose those are the and then you lose the minus one to be hit right those others there were the other stratagems like advance and charge with witches which was like very situational because you never took witches right but now like now the other detachment is not bad because of the fact that pain tokens got better that's interesting right yeah yeah um so now there is a, there's an argument for both if you want to build a list with like lilith and witches couple of archon incubi um, and then run like grotesques and talos. Like the the detachment with more pain tokens that gives you minus one to be wounded is not terrible. If you want to run more of a, I need just take a bunch of cavalites, get ignore cover and lance, like to get better at killing stuff in combat and stuff. Then you take the new detachment, but then you miss out on a few of the strats. And uh, so I like that there's a debate that can be had with the two detachments just That's because of the change yeah. to pain tokens, which is interesting. I would have assumed that the old detachment is just never going to get used and you're always going to use the new one. But it's cool that there's, like, by buffing the faction generally, they also buff that detachment. I think that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I do think you're going to see the new detachment way more than the old well, it's one. It's new and shiny also. Like, you know, Fair. just kind of an objective conversation about it. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to see tons. Yeah, and and the lance in combat does really help. However, you do it does require you to have disembarked from a transport, right? So, like, if you have a protracted combat, right, or you or you're towards the end of the game when all your transports are dead, it's not going to be impactful, right? Um, or as impactful. So, like, there is you can make an argument for both, but it is shiny in you, and I think most people will be gravitating towards, you know. Uh, Incubi with lumps, basically. Well, let's talk about what else it gives you, because the enhancements and the stratagems are like half the goodness right there. So what's that about? 
So there are four enhancements in the new detachment. You have an enhancement um, that allows you to ignore Overwatch, which I think is the most powerful one um, in the yeah. detachment. On a turn, you disembark from a transport. So you can literally run up with an Incubi and an Archon with that the Nightmare Shroud in the middle of an army that has all flamers, and they can do nothing about it. And it is fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, your army's so fragile and hates Overwatch. That's such an amazing rule for you. Yeah. Now, you have to be careful, though. You definitely don't want to get the vehicle that they're in overwatched and die, because then you'd be battle-shocked and you can't use a stratagem to get out of your transport and charge, right? You couldn't even charge after that, right? So you want to be very careful that the vehicle they're in doesn't get overwatched to death. But other than that, you're, uh, you're, you're, uh, you know, it's great to be able to just have a unit that you know is going to hit the enemy at full strength regardless of what they're going to do about it, right? Um, there's one that gives you more pain tokens, where if you kill a unit within range of an objective, you get a, an additional pain token. I think that one's very strong as well. Um, I think it's probably the only two that I would take in a, mm -hmm. in a normal list. Uh, the other one gives you stealth and a benefit of cover if you're wholly within six inches of a transport. So like it makes your unit stealthy while they're near a vehicle uh, that's a transport. Kind of can be handy. And then you have another one that gives um, the ability to use a pain token on the unit. And then if there's a transport within six inches, you can use that same pain token to empower the transport as well to give them reroll hit rolls. Now, that one works very well with the Tantalus build because it's like it becomes very efficient with pain token use, essentially. So if you're running like a big unit of Cabalites with a Court of the Archon and a Tantalus, then this is the, uh, the this is the enhancement I'd probably run on him. Right, that's obviously a different build, though. Correct. Uh, and then, of course, you have the uh, the stratagems. You know, charge after you move with a transport. That's very, very. It increases that. That seems like game changingly good. Am I am I underselling, overselling the value of it here? No, like... that is that is game changingly good. The the okay. fact that like. You know, uh, an incubi unit originally would be 10 inches out of a transport plus a 12-inch charge, right? So it's like a 22-inch maximum threat range for an incubi unit. Now that you can add the vehicle of that movement, like you have 14-inch movement, 3-inch disembark, but 17 inches before your charge, it goes up to a 29-inch threat range, right? That is a very, yeah. that is a very large threat range increase. The what key are you is to making... with that, like anything. Whatever. Whatever. It just all it does is it makes every vehicle you have in your army have a great big profile of if your enemy comes into this zone, they could get charged by incubi. So that forces your opponent to respect your army more, right? And might force them into playing a little cager than they want to play, which then gives you board control. And that's one of the biggest things that you want with Dark Eldar is that zone, that area being like, this is my area, right? How much of it um, is just about incubi charging across the table and like hitting something very hard, but also like five witches or five warriors charging across the table and stealing an objective? Correct. It's both, right? A lot of the times, and it's a lot cheaper than like the move after you charge, uh, move after you um, after you shoot or whatever, right? So it's like one CP less. Um, it, that threat range of hey, none of your objectives are safe and none of your units are safe, right? Means that then your opponent is either, well, I'm going to play the range game and keep away, but then you've got a lot of range to sort of encourage them to get close, right? Or they get close and then they just save you the CP, <laughs> if that makes sense, yeah. right? It just means that like you're making sure that your opponent never feels safe, 
right? And I think that's huge. It's like they're never comfortable. Like if you make them uncomfortable just playing the game, not like in a bad way, I'm saying like tactically uncomfortable, right? right, right. right? That they don't have a, it's a problem that can't just be solved. It's a thing they have to constantly think about. I think it's more of a thing like as the opponent playing against it, you just have to accept like, all right, any of these transports can just fly straight at me and do its thing. Like, let's move past that. Easier said than done, though. I mean, like, I don't want to get the incubi charge in my face turn one. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, it it means that now you can. Now, the, the key here, though, is you have to um, you have to be in a position where you have to keep the buildings in account because you can't just fly through buildings anymore. So that 14 inches isn't necessarily like a 14 inches because you might have to go around a wall or something like that. So good placement of your vehicles and your transports is still paramount with this army. That has not changed. Right. And I imagine it's also not just, it's thinking of like your staging points while you're hiding points because you're, you're trying to hide from your opponent. Items are still fragile but you're trying to launch attacks from your opponent and be able to navigate the ruins effectively for that. Exactly. Right. You want to make sure that like in, and in some, for example, some of the GW buildings like, or terrain, you have like those like ruins, the block line of sight, but just have like a feature on the ruin that you can fly over. Cause it's like lower than two inches, but it's, you can't end on top of. Right. So that's like a great sort of staging area for like a vehicle to like fly through in some of the WTC terrain sets. It will depend whether you need a light or a heavy table based on the so like the orientation of the ruins so that you can create straighter lines up the like where you need to send a venom. Right. So you can hide a venom in a spot. And then because the ruin is a large one or a small one, you have an opening on the left or the right, which then will give you like a straight line left or right, depending on where you need to put pressure. So knowing that sort of nuance is going to be important to get the most out of a stratagem like that. However, it's, it is very strong. Yeah. What other strats does this detachment offer you? Um, so you've got a stratagem where if you get move within nine inches of a, of a transport, the transport can move six inches. It's like a phantasm for transports. <laughs> so how, how dirty is this, Scar? I know you I love it. <laughs> I, I absolutely love a stratagem like this. And it's great because, you know, you can get really aggressive with, like, your transports or you can get in a position where, like, I need this angle with my Cabalite Warriors, so I'm going to, like, move them, get the Cabalite Warriors out on this side of the wall. They hop back into the Venom, but then the Venom might be a little close for comfort against a close combat unit. But then if your enemy gets close, you can just move the Venom behind a building and, like, run away. Um, it, I love Anything that's reactionary is gold in my hands. Please give me more reactionary stuff, especially yeah. movement. I will what, win what kind of stuff do you try to set up with it? Um, so screening is a big part of it, you know, or like, uh, uh, another option is screening is a huge part of it. Like I would love to run a venom up, right? Straight up in my opponent's face or a raider, even if you're raider, like literally advance a raider 20 inches up the board, screen out the rest of the table. You know how good I am at screening, right? <laughs> and then true. have your opponent make a single move near that raider and then move the raider further deeper into their deployment zone to screen out even more of their deep strikes. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't even think of that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's so, so true. You, you, move, you can so, move to yeah. mess people 
up. It's because it's not phantasm. It's not the end of the movement phase after your reserves yeah. are in. It's it's in the middle of your movement phase. It's just Correct. messing up Before your movement. You can block somebody. Right? Oh man. Yeah. So you can like screen out that you could actually like bait someone to like try and bring in a, a deep striker on like a side and then they move closer and you're like, nope, I close that gap now. What you gonna do? You know, like there's there's like there's some really cool thing. <laughs> I know I just blew your mind, right? Like, anyway. um, That's why you're here. <laughs> So little things like that are great. Um, you know, it, on at its base level, it's a defensive stratagem where you go, oh, you got close to my vehicle, right? It goes behind uh, a wall. I, it's yeah. going to go behind a wall and it's going to hide, right? Like at its most basic level, it's that sort of thing. Uh, but there's a lot of 3D chess you can do or 4D chess you can do with it. Um, mainly about positioning, right? Like the my favorite would be to increase the threat range of that charge. So basically... Um, like get close to a, via, uh, a venom filled with incubi, right? Move it, not necessarily backwards, but like laterally, so that next turn I have a better shot at moving the venom straight forward and attacking the thing that I know that I need to attack next turn. So it gives me that threat range or projects the threat range further in a different direction or something like that, right? Yeah, um, or, or even also just like using it as a screen to push back a deep striker and then coming yeah. towards your army, right? Instead, like one of, yeah, or or like one of the, I used it recently as somebody moved up and I just reactionary moved my raider or whatever and move block his next move, right? Oh, that's so dirty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like sure, it's gonna die anyway, so I might as well put it closer to you so you don't get as much of a charge distance, number one, and B, that unit you wanted to move here now can stay behind that wall. Oh, that's <laughs> you so know? Or whatever it is. Yeah, so there's lots of ways that you can. Um, so then there's another stratagem where after, at the end of the fight phase, you can pick a unit, and they can make a fallback or a normal move if they fought, so they have to have fought in combat. And if they're not witches, they have to end within range to embark into a transport and embark into it. However, if they're witches, they don't need to do that. They can just fall back or make a normal move at the end of the fight phase and just move away, do some, like go somewhere completely different, which does increase the value of witches. Is it um, at the end of the fight phase or after the units fought for that one? It's at the end of the fight phase. Gotcha. So you have to, yeah, so you do have to take the hits back, right? Um, but something that I found works very well for that is, especially if your opponent is trying to tie up your units, you can actually just be like, oh, I'm going to fall back and get into this transport. And then next turn, I'm fine. I can move out and shoot or whatever I want to do, right? Yeah, that's a really um, nice like counterplay strat. Yeah, and it is a nice replacement for the strike and fate stratagem when you involve witches, right? So say a unit of witches, you move a v uh, venom up, right? You move or raider, move a 14, get the witches out three. They charge something 10 inches away, right? So they've moved 17, 27 inches already. They pile in, say it's a rhino. And then the rhino fights back, doesn't kill anyone. And you're like, great, one more CP, I'm going to fall back and then move another eight inches with these witches and take your home objective, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's, like, some really good movement play you can do with a stratagem like that, but it's definitely exactly not. the kind of type of move I would do with it. I love that move. Right. Yeah, it's, like, a great little move. And then with other units, you have to get into a transport. But a lot of the times you're using Venoms anyway, which have that rule sort of built in, right? So, like... If your incubi kill a unit and the venom's nearby, they just pop back into the venom. And you're going to want to use that sort of mechanic to make sure that next time they get out, they get blunts again, right? Like that sort of thing. So I think it's important to note. Right. Okay. So that's that's really great uh, for your attachment. Yeah. A ton of value. Oh, you're not even done. I'm sorry. 
No, well, I, I don't remember which ones I have left to do. I think we've got, oh, yeah, four of invulnerable safe for a vehicle against shooting. I think that's really nice if you're taking, like, a Ravager or a Tantalus. Four of invulnerable safe's not bad. Um, it, in a pinch, it'll keep your Venom alive, sure, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, if you really need to. Bimble, right? Yeah, yeah, it goes from a six up to a four up. Great change in value, right, of uh, durability. Um, and then there's a, I think there's, is there one more strategy? Yes, the sustained hits one. So you can give a unit that disembarks from a vehicle sustained hits one in shooting. And if they are Cavalites, they get sustained hits two. Now that works really nicely with uh, a pain token because then you can reroll hit rolls and fish for those sixes. And, uh, you know, especially with like combined with ignore cover and all the stuff we talked about, all of a sudden you could have a Dark Lance hit on a six, get three hits with a Dark Lance, or three hits with a Blaster, or whatever it is, that could, like, really increase the damage potential if fishing for sixes. But it is very CP-intensive, because there are a lot of good stratagems in this detachment. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no... Is there CP regen for your army? There is not. So going tactical for the extra CP for the cards, I think, is probably the way to go. Nice. So I'd like to leave it on a little cliffhanger so that people have a little incentive to subscribe to our Patreon. What is the army list that you're so excited about playing in this new balanced status slate? Putting all these wonderful tools with the new detachment together, um, and then, you know, just read it through top to bottom, and then in part two, we're going to go through it, Skari. Absolutely. So the list itself is three Archons. Um, it is a beast pack. It's two units of Cavalite Warriors, a unit of Witches, and a couple of units of Racks. It's six Venoms. It's three units of Incubi, three units of Scourge, a Kronos, um, and uh, I think that's it. Wow. So three units of Incubi and Venoms, three units of Warriors, Racks, really unassuming stuff, some Scourges, you know, normal Jukari things. I'm really excited to see how it's elevated from what it was last time you had you on the show a few months ago to what you can do with it now on the table with all your new two tricks and tools and exactly how it comes together. So for any of you who have listened to Scari on our show before, the devil's in the details with this man. He's, it's all about how he uses it. So you're going to want to join us on part two of this episode on AOW40K.com. That is our Patreon. You get access to this episode, part two, along with 215 plus others, and our Discord server where you can ask Scari any questions you want directly because he's in there. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And Scari, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. We'll see you on episode two. See you on episode two, everybody. Take care. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com